It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So, dear friend Mike Lawler. Mike, you're on Cats at Night. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. Good to hear uh, your voice in the in the afternoon, Sid. <laughs> Thank you very much. He's got much. morning drive and afternoon drive. <laughs> Whenever John wants uh, me here, I can't wait to come. It's such a great you know, place. He lives in Manhattan again. I do. I'm back in Manhattan. And, yes. And uh, he got bored and he has nothing to do. And uh, <laughs> well, I'm going to go straight from. I'm, I'm going straight from here to the Rangers Bruins game tonight, Mike. You would appreciate that. But um, on a serious note, congestion pricing that is the big story today. We know where you stand, but for listeners that don't. Tell us about that. Look, this has been one of the biggest issues that I've been fighting back against since I uh, was elected to the state assembly back in 2020. And then obviously now being elected to Congress Uh, today, uh, Josh Gottheimer, a Democrat from New Jersey, and myself introduced bipartisan legislation uh, to basically try and stop congestion pricing dead in its tracks. Uh, As we outlined today, uh, you know, New York State, Governor Hochul, and the MTA have a choice. Uh, Either continue forward with congestion pricing and lose federal dollars uh, or do the right thing by all New Yorkers and stop congestion pricing. Uh, If they feel so strongly that they are going to move ahead with congestion pricing, then it's clear they don't need federal dollars because congestion pricing is nothing more than a money grab. It will do nothing to reduce congestion. It will do nothing... Uh, to uh, help the environment, and it will only harm, uh, frankly, uh, low-income New Yorkers uh, in the outer boroughs uh, and in the suburbs. And, and, and middle and middle-income uh, people, and it's not going to, you know, it, it, it's the, we're going to make the poor poorer, and we're going to make the middle class even poorer, and it's they're going to resist from coming to visit their doctors in in New York. Uh, and yeah. Judge Weinberg, you're, you're mad as hell. I can uh, see in your face. Absolutely. Congressman, good to talk to you again. Listen, good this too. is the problem. New York City is trying to recover from the COVID situation, the crime situation. We need economic development. We need people coming in here. This is going to hurt the hotels, the restaurants, the retail establishments. This is a no-win for the people. Well, it kills communities as well, as you point out. Judge, I, I always say, show me where it worked. If we're going to do it, we must be doing it for a reason. Did London well, like it? Well, Tell you where it didn't work. Right. Right. Did it not money. work in London? How did it work out in London? Why are we doing it if it failed there? Yeah. This is nothing but a commuter tax. And that's going to – and uh, people are going to be using the Cross Bronx rather than coming across New York. That's that's going to be more a lot of pollution. More, more congestion, more pollution in a yep. different neighborhood. Yep. Right. So, so Mike, what, what are you guys um, – what are you guys going to do about this? <laughs> well, listen, and, and, and the other thing I want to point out, you know, the MTA responded today, uh, you know, attacking me and, you know, talking about how this is good for the environment. It's good for, uh, you know, people to use mass transit. Here's the problem. In Rockland County, where I live, uh, we pay $40 million more in taxes to the MTA than services we've received. Uh, We do not have a good express rail service. In fact, it's very limited. And during COVID, the MTA threatened to uh, eliminate rail service altogether on west of Hudson. So for my constituents, especially uh, in, in the suburbs and certainly in the outer boroughs of New York City, this is nothing more than a tax. And so what, what uh, Congressman Gottheimer and I have done is introduced this legislation, uh, and we are going to work tirelessly to get this passed. Uh, you know, Guy Molinari, when he was congressman in Staten Island, uh, did something very similar with the toll on the Verrazano. 
uh, and forced uh, New York State uh, to make change. And that is what we're seeking to do here. We are going to force Governor Hochul to make a choice. And the choice is between moving forward with this harebrained plan that she is uh, implementing uh, to create a congestion pricing tax uh, for anybody who commutes into, into midtown Manhattan uh, or eliminate it. And, you know, frankly, given the $2 billion plus that the federal government uh, gives to, to the MTA uh, versus the, you know, projected $1 billion uh, that will be received as part of congestion pricing, uh, if they actually understand math, they should probably take the $2 billion uh, and drop the congestion pricing plan. Mike, it's, let me focus your attention on another big problem we have, the border crisis. This is an open border. It's not secure. You have 5 million people poured in the last couple of years. We see no end to these waves of people. Biden went down, did a, a photo op, has done nothing. What are the Republicans going to do to try to stop this wave of illegal immigration that's detrimental to the public safety of this country? Well, I mean, it speaks volumes to the fact that uh, 50 years roughly in Washington and Joe Biden visited the border for the first time ever. Uh, and this is a guy who considers himself, uh, you know, the, the champion of foreign affairs. Um, I, and by the way, when you say visited the border, not really. I mean, the mayor, right. Eric they, Adams, they did a better job than he did. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, they made it look it very nice for him. Right. Trip. Yes. But but look, this this is a real crisis. You know, and I've said this many times. My wife is an immigrant from Eastern Europe, from Moldova. She came here in search of a better life. She became a citizen uh, a little over two years ago. So this is not about being against immigration. I mean, John, obviously, you're you're an immigrant. Your story, everybody knows it well. Uh, My name's Carbonetti. We're all immigrants. We're all immigrants. We're all immigrants. Ed Cox came over on the Mayflower. That's That's true. true. (laughs) (laughs) Ed is an original immigrant. But here's the, 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 you know, the the, the the reality that we're dealing with. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The, The reality that we're dealing with right now is that this is unsustainable. And the fact that Eric Adams is now recognized. Uh, you know, uh, basically two years after, you know, touting that New York is a sanctuary city and we we welcome all of these migrants. The problem is this is unsustainable. You cannot continue to have tens of thousands of migrants cross the border illegally every day. Uh, you know, we've had over four million uh, immigrants come here illegally since Joe Biden took office. It needs to stop. Well, with that, so, so with that said, are you guys are you guys behind Kevin McCarthy ready, willing and prepared to impeach a guy like Mayorkas, for example, for continuing to lie about the oh. border, saying it's closed and all that nonsense. Look, I, I, I have said I'm, I'm not there on impeachment. I think there needs to be hearings. There needs to be information uh, produced. But here's what we need to do. All right. Number one, we have to secure the border. You have to increase the number of Border Patrol agents. Rather than the 87,000 new IRS agents and employees, we should be beefing up uh, security at the border, number one. Number two, we need to increase access to the courts. We need more court personnel to hear these asylum cases in an expeditious manner. You cannot have people waiting two to three years somewhere in the country hoping that they come back for a court hearing uh, on asylum. That, that is just absolutely ludicrous. Um, and we cannot be dropping people off into communities like ours uh, and putting the burden on our, our local governments, on our local nonprofit organizations uh, to, to provide uh, care and service to these people. So here in New York, there have been 36,000 
illegal immigrants coming to New York, and uh, the mayor is asking for a billion dollars to take care of them. Now, the total over the last few years is $4 million. Uh, Do the math. Does he get his billion? But the money, look, all due respect to Mayor Adams, who I like and I respect, it's not about getting more money. It's about securing the border. Because you'll have a never-ever stream if all you're talking about is getting more money. And where do you house these people? Where do you give them medical attention? Where do you educate them? This is a serious problem. You have to secure the border, Congressman. We, 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 we have a serious housing crisis in New York City to begin with, uh, and obviously a homeless population we have to deal with. There are so many crises going on. The city of New York, I agree with Mayor Adams. They can't handle this. But you know what? Then Mayor Adams needs to immediately change the sanctuary city policy. Right. If, if you don't want to handle this, if you acknowledge that it is a crisis, well, then let's start by stopping the sanctuary city policy. Let's secure our border, and then let's deal with our broken immigration system. You cannot have a system like we have uh, where people can just come here illegally with no process in place, uh, no understanding of what they're going to do, how they're going to do it. We want people who want to come here legally to work, to contribute to our economy, to contribute to our communities and our culture. But this is not sustainable. And so if the mayor is serious about this, which he seems to be, uh, then he should, number one, immediately end New York's uh, policy as a sanctuary city, and he should immediately uh, work with Republicans to secure the border. Because uh, you're 100 percent right. In fact, he was down at the conference for mayors yesterday, and I spoke to one of his handlers, and I said, that's great, fantastic. Tell me when he's going to work with the Republicans, and tell me when he goes to see Joe Biden face-to-face. It's nice that he calls out the quote-unquote national government, the federal government, He's got to call out Joe Biden. He's got to meet with Joe Biden. He's got to shed Sanctuary City. Those are the two things. Meet with Biden, shed Sanctuary City. Then we know Eric Adams. And secure that border. And secure that that, border. That's how he's going to do it. That's how he's going to do it. Those two things will help secure the border. Right, Mike? Listen, it's critical. And we we need more personnel, both in terms of border security, but also in terms of hearing these asylum cases. You cannot have the backlog that we have uh, because, look, there are people who who genuinely need asylum, and we want to to ensure their safety and ability to do so. But you can't wait two to three years to hear those cases. No, that's crazy. And and that's the crisis we're dealing with right now. Mike, as always, a fantastic job. We're so happy you got the win a couple of months ago, representing Rockin County, New York, and America, as very few people can. Thank you so much for hopping on Catch at Night. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You got it, pal. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Mike, how are you? I'm good, John. How are you today? Good. All right, so you got you got Richard Weinberg, not John Casmatini. Right? <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 you got the you got the smaller fry of the two big fries. Oh, I'm sorry, Judge. How are you? <laughs> good. So. Listen, this is a big problem. People have been focusing on the so-called bail reform, which is a consumer fraud. But let's focus on what you were talking about recently, the discovery laws. Please explain to our listeners why the discovery laws are a crisis and why cases are being thrown at and not being prosecuted. Yeah, it was the New York Post today. New York Post article. But the average person doesn't understand it. So, uh, uh, Mr. DA, you have to tell it to them simply so people can understand it. Sure. So uh, when the 
when the advocates with the agenda, the loudest, took control of legislation in Albany, they did three things, right? The so-called bail reform, which means that uh, recidivists and people who are dangerous can get back on the streets. Um, and then they did raise the age. That means that it, even, you know, 16, 17-year-olds carrying a gun get back out on the streets. And what they all did, did is they came up with a gotcha uh, statute that said to prosecutors, we gotcha. We're going to make the system for you so Byzantine, so labyrinthine, so, so uh, obtrusive that you're not going to be able to prosecute the cases, and it's going to cause a, a jam in your office. It's going to cause a jam in the courthouse. And they basically tried to shut down the criminal justice process by making it so difficult. So, and remember, the, the, the so-called 30-30 or speedy trial clock is always running. So from the time of arraignment, we have a limited period of time to say that we are ready for trial. And when the burden is so hard to get the materials in our control, because we don't even have them, and turn them over after we have to redact things and uh, process it, uh, some cases are falling by the wayside. Now, I'm happy to say in Staten Island, not one felony case has gone fallen by the wayside. But listen, in all fairness, my, my caseload is much less than uh, my colleagues. And, and, and you're responsible to give the criminal's lawyer the home address of the complainant. Yeah. And the witnesses list. And the witnesses list. And the witnesses, sure. And the home address. The courts are so backed up. What's basically happening is the, the perp who knows he's guilty in the old days would say to his lawyer, yeah, I did it. Plead me down to something else. His lawyer says, no, wait, they have to give us all this evidence. And if they don't, they're just going to let you go. Yeah. And that's what's and, happening. And, and that's right. And listen, No one's when, pleading when you, anymore. Uh, oh, 80%, 80% are being let go. Yeah, the yeah, guys, well, the guys that know they did it aren't even pleading. Let the DA speak. Go yeah. ahead. Go yeah, ahead, Mike. Exactly right. We have, you know, it's sometimes it's difficult enough to get uh, witnesses and victims uh, to cooperate. They're scared uh, as as it is before these laws, and now when they're being told at the outset, oh, well, you know, we got to turn over your uh, uh, private information, uh, they withdraw. They don't want to help us, and so that's really a problem as well. So when you add in the the dismissal because of the time restraints when you add in the w victims and the witnesses' failure to cooperate uh, and the attitudes that the defense lawyer has taken, it's like a, a field day for these criminals. This well, has, has to be, Mike, this has to be cleaned up. And I know you're leading the effort with the other, other conscientious CAs to try to get these changes made up yeah. in Albany. What's your yeah. likelihood of success getting this state assembly and the state senate to do the right thing? Yeah, good luck. You know, I'm I'm not that optimistic. Uh, after, after I saw what happened to the Court of Appeals judge, where they didn't they they stacked the committee to to take away a fair hearing for a judge, uh, in in plain view that they're not interested in fairness, they're not interested in public safety, and I really think it's going to take the public to say enough is enough, uh, and if you don't change your ways, we're going to vote you out of office, and 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 we're not satisfied with what you're doing because. Um, it's really a multi-pronged attack on public safety. We see the results. Uh, crime is up 30% across our city. We went from the, uh, the, a safe city to a city in crisis, uh, and it's because of the uh, lunatic legislature uh, in Albany and what they've done to our system. And you just mentioned uh, the LaSalle case, and thank you so much for hopping with us today. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Governor Pataki, welcome to Cats at Night. Sid, John, Richard, Tony, Ed, the whole crew. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And you're right. I have been uh, defending Hochul on this because she's fighting the right fight at the right time. It, it does seem odd that the governor here in this state can't get that done. And like I said, for two days here, which I'm on my own show every morning, it, it, it's, it's wild to me that Andrea Stewart-Cousins has basically become the most powerful person in New York, whether it's bail reform or LaSalle. She seems to have a lot of pull in this state, uh, even more than the governor in this case. How does that make any sense? Well, Sid, it doesn't make sense. Uh, the state has got to have a governor who runs it. And my fear is that this isn't just about uh, Judge LaSalle. This is about whether or not we have a governor for the next four years who's going to set policy and run the state, or whether the state is going to be run by a bunch of left-wing legislators who represent districts that are generally overwhelmingly partisan. Uh, If this stands, if Hochul is defeated on this, and I know she lost a voting committee, but I hope she fights on, uh, this just sends a message that for the next four years, uh, it's going to be the crazies in the legislature uh, setting policy. And that is a disaster for the state. Governor, it's Ed Cox here. She has to, Governor Hochul has to take this into the courts and make sure it goes to the floor of the Senate. To the floor of the Senate. Wouldn't you agree with that? Uh, Absolutely. She She can't just give up and say, I lost. You know, uh, they stacked the deck in the Judiciary Committee. He only lost 10 to 9. You know, and and if it gets to the floor, hopefully calmer heads will prevail. She has said quite persuasively that the Constitution requires a vote by the entire Senate. And I think she's right. She has to be willing to take it to the court and fight that fight. And at the same time, she can't just let the legislature walk away from us and say, tough luck, Governor. Look at it. Governor Hochul has been in office. Uh, as her own governor, elected on her own, for less than three weeks. She's got four years to go in a term, and the radicals in the legislature are saying, you don't, care, you don't matter. We're going to do what we want regardless of what you think. This cannot be allowed to stand. She has got to respond. She's got to fe- keep fighting this fight, and she's got to do anything else she can to make sure the legislature at last understands She's the executive. They aren't. It was a ten. It was a ten-nine decision in the Judiciary Committee, and uh, the leadership stacked it with two Democrats who they knew were going to vote uh, against LaSalle. Yeah, that it's not. It's not even the committee. It's the leadership that's going to decide in the future. Every time she puts up a judge for the highest court. They're going to decide who it should be. This will show us who's really in charge of the party. <laughs> yeah, and Sid was saying earlier, you know, it's Andrea Stewart Cousins, and yes, there's some truth to that, but it's also Jean Harris. Oh, Jean absolutely. absolutely. It's, absolutely. Not, What's that? it's not just about this fight. This is about the, the, the very radical partisan Democratic lawyers looking to overturn the reapportionment for Congress. Exactly. Now, they have a case, pen, the case pending in Albany. Uh, they're waiting to get a chief judge on who will overturn what the Court of Appeals did in, uh, to uphold the New York State Constitution and throw out the congressional districts for the next election. So th- there, there are enormous high stakes here. Is it Generis and the thug of le- the, the group of leftists who run this state, or is it Governor Hochul? Well, I will tell you this. I had two guests on earlier today, Governor Pataki. I know you like them both, George Napolitano in the morning and Governor Patterson, and both have said – Basically, LaSalle, dead on arrival. She can sue. She can do what she wants. He ain't getting it. That's the bottom line. She may be better off nominating somebody sooner than later. What do you think about that? I totally disagree. 
you know, you got to fight the fight. This fight isn't over. She might lose the next round, too, and she might ultimately lose this fight. But to simply surrender and say, okay, you beat me uh, by stacking the deck uh, just sends exactly the wrong message. Look, got- I, Governor, don't you think if this goes to the Court of Appeals, whether it should go to the floor or not, the provision in the Constitution is special with respect to the governor's nomination and is with the advice and consent of the Senate. That's different than a regular piece of legislation that you can jam in, in committee. You have the experience of governor. Is that correct? It is. And, you know, I would certainly fight that fight. I'd also, uh, you know, like you were talking earlier about criminal justice. I would just send a message to the legislature right now. I call a special session for tomorrow on bail reform and put on the floor an aggressive bail reform law and say, all right, vote it down. But you're going to be called into session by me on everything from from uh, uh, bail reform to judicial nominations to charter schools. You're not going to get away with this, uh, and you're going to have to think twice before you undercut a newly elected governor in her first three weeks in office on her own right. And, Governor, it's Judge Richard Warmer. The other problem is this is an attack on an independent judiciary. What they want is a rubber stamp judiciary that will give an amen to all the left-wing legislation when it's challenged on constitutional grounds. What say you? You hit hit it exactly on the head. They control the Senate. They control the Assembly. uh, And now they they don't control the executive. So they're going to go around the executive by controlling the judiciary. Uh, and, And if that happens, you know, the judiciary right now is the last bastion of common sense. Uh, Amen. Struck uh, uh, down the highly uh, partisan and completely unconstitutional uh, gerrymandering, uh, and the the courts stood up and said this is unconstitutional. If they win control of the courts, they're going to be able to do anything, regardless of the Constitution. The Constitution is yeah. not going to matter, and there's going to be no bount, no check at all on the power that the left wing has in this in this state. And uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just tragic. This is a great state. It's a great city. It's got horrible, horrible leadership, uh, and that's got to change. It's unfortunate that Lee Zeldin lost because if he won, this wouldn't be happening right now, would it be? <laughs> and maybe it would. Maybe it would. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You know, uh, I'm amazed you're on. You have to get to bed pretty soon, right? <laughs> Yes. Hey, listen, thank you for hopping on. You're a great guest and a terrific governor and a great guy, and we love you. Thank you so much, Governor. Great great being on with you guys. See you in the morning, Sid. Thank All you, right, Governor. Governor. I'll see you in the morning. That's uh, the great uh, Governor Pataki. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And with us today is Dr. Lindy Wildgart. And uh, tell us, uh, doctor, uh, what do you think is is the matter? Well, it could uh, could be lots of things. Uh, It could could actually be in some ways... uh, well, not really good news, but just a, a tiny bit of good news. If if the whales are increasing in numbers, there will also be more deaths, uh, but but not really because a lot of them, these are not uh, natural deaths. These are uh, 
whales being hit by ships and entanglements. I understand. So, I understand. The yeah. rumor is, and the federal government will not allow it out, is that all these explosions they're doing underwater to put in these windmills is doing something to the whales. Have you heard that? Well, I've, I've heard of the the um, um, idea, the hypothesis of it, but I would say that is unlikely because um, the uh, there, first of all, there's uh, there's no evidence of that. There's actual evidence of them being um, showing. Well, why would they beat themselves? No. I mean, you know, on, on these windmills, they're, they're destroying our whales. And when the windmills go, keep going on, they're killing all the all the birds. What kind of green energy is that? No, I would disagree. It is very green energy. The whales are actually protected because if uh, in the wind parks uh, less fishing can be done, the ecosystem is, is greatly preserved by that. Fishing is a far, far more destructive practice than uh, than any of the yeah, but it's happening. It's happening. You know how many birds are dying through those windmills? Uh, I'm I'm a whale expert. Uh, Doctor Wildgart, you're an expert, uh, whales, and you're really an expert on underwater noise pollution. Whales are very sensitive to uh, to hypersonic uh, uh, waves. Un is that right? And couldn't that be involved here when they are using sonic booms in order to find out whether the, how they can put down windmills? Isn't that couldn't that be a cause of these whale deaths? Very unlikely. I mean, the, 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 you can tell right away when it's an, uh, an acoustic, a sound event that's causing a stranding, and that's just a, a tiny. So, so, doctor, it's your opinion. This is just a coincidence, respectfully. Yeah, I mean, they're just killing. Is this themselves. just a, is this just a coincidence that they're going into <laughs> ships and they're hitting the windmills? Is that what it's about? Yeah, I don't know why. What you're, well, I think you're mixing things up here. Oh, yeah? uh, okay. They're not that. The the uh, the ship collisions and the entanglements would be uh, pretty separate from the the noise stuff. But okay. you know you can see these in necropsies or, or you know autopsies, and it's it's pretty clear if it's a noise event. It's it's a whole bunch of whales spread all over a, a length of coastline, all dying at like within hours of each other. What's That's the, not what what's this the is. reason for it, doctor? Well, as I mentioned, you know, just if, if like, it also depends on the species. I'm seeing mainly uh, humpbacks. Humpbacks are not particularly noise sensitive. Uh, they're not like a family of whales called the beaked whales. That would be different. And uh, the humpbacks just are, are increasing in numbers. So they will, there will be more, more deaths when you get more, more whales, especially if you have, you know, these ongoing problems of, of shaping and entanglement, in which yeah. in this case is far more likely the cause. Okay, well, listen, Dr. Lindy Wildgaard, thank you so much for your um, your call on this. It's it's, it's not as easy as uh, we think it is, or you think it is, quite frankly. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now we've got the whale expert on why the whales are dying, Governor David Patterson. Uh, Governor, you called in all about this. What's the reason why all these whales are beaching themselves, Governor? Uh, the whales are dying because they haven't paid their taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. 
See, you I know, knew it. So I thought they were getting mugged. <laughs> ...who get everything from the rest of us, and they don't pay a dime. And now they're getting... See, now it's coming back Should the line. whales be paying congestion pricing, David? <laughs> <laughs> there are commuters. Well, if they come up the Hudson River, they can pay you right. And they have to stop at 60th Street. Governor, 60th Street. That's funny. They got a free ride up to 60th Street, Governor Patterson. I knew Patterson would have the answer. But on a serious note, I know that you were on with us yesterday and me this morning, sitting friends in the morning, talking about the whole Hoko situation. By the way, some breaking news just happened. What do you have? David Crosby just died at 81 years old. Did he really? I just saw Crosby, Stills, and Nash two years ago. Oh. Wow. Oh, that hurts. Wow. I love that them. Hurts. That hurts. And Neil Another Young, too. One. That's a great band. I, said, I, I just wanted to uh, yeah. clear up the record. I did tell you that if they bring, if the governor wins the court case and they make the Senate vote on the confirmation, that I think her candidate or Sal is going to lose. But I didn't say that she should just give it up. I agree completely with Governor Pataki. Oh, no, no, no. Wait wait, wait a second. Wait a second. I didn't say you said that. I agree, too. She should try. She should try. But what I took from what you said and what Judge Napolitano told me was she can try all she wants. This guy's DOI. He's dead on arrival. doesn't matter. Yeah, because he lost in committee, and when they bring it back, the Senate sees it as a loss. They won't even be voting about her. Now they're voting about establishing their majority, which is a real problem. And the, and the other thing that is just very good, disconcerting through this entire process is that these are the same people who approved the judges previously they said they didn't like. What changed was in 2018 when they got the veto-proof majority. Look at what they've done. The bail reform bill passed in 2019. In 2020, they went after Governor Cuomo because he wanted to bring Amazon here, and they beat that down. Then they threw him out, basically, because if they're he hurting, left, they it, are hurting this city and this state. Yeah, and, and this state. state. Governor had not left right away. They said they had 56 votes. They were going to impeach him. And now they're coming after Governor Hochul. So, you see, they want to be I the like, boss. I like what Governor Pataki said. Bring them in. Make them sit there. Have special sessions. And you know what? Some of the legislators will refuse to come. You have a closed call of the House. Then you can call the state police and round and, and round them up mm. and bring them in and make them sit there, and then they will respect you. Yeah, good stuff. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. With us today is one of the finest senators New York State ever had. We have Alf- Senator Alphonse D'Amato. Uh, Alphonse, what the heck? You know, we're going to teach Congress a lesson. We're going to send you back to Congress. <laughs> no, no way. No way. We have a campaign committee become, all set for you, Governor. We're ready to go. Senator. That has become an institution uh, that is too partisan. And, and I, as I've often said, um, a great senator from New York, I had the privilege and pleasure to work him with him was Senator Pat Moynihan, and we worked together. We put politics, particularly when it came to the interest of our state, aside, um, both of us. And and that's what we should be about today. The partisanship sucks. Well, when did it, it, when, when did it change? When did it change? When did it change, Alphonse? Was it during it, the year? I think it happened during the Obama administration. Well, no. It uh, began when did it happen? It began to change in the last three years 
that I was in office. I agree with that. I, I, I thought I was a conservative, but my God, my own party, uh, if, if you didn't march to their drum on everything, gun control, live, that, you know, uh, they, they began. They were the first who started this. Uh, the Democrats now, with the ultra-liberals, have caught up and surpassed them. And so now you have conservatives on one side, the ultra-liberals on the other side, and both parties are, are captive of, of minorities within their party. But you got to, you know, you got to keep everybody together in order to get things passed. And, and that's what's taking place. It's a shame. It is a shame. It, it really is, Senator. King can, can talk to that. Yeah. I, I say to people, these kids today, it's not enough to be a Republican or a Democrat. They have to hate the other side. It was never yeah. like that. No, it wasn't. It really wasn't. And I saw it changing in my last three years. It began drifting that way, first with the Republicans, and now Democrats on the left have surpassed us. And look what's taking place in our state. Our great state, Governor Hochul, a Democrat, puts up somebody, the first Hispanic, who, by the way, is the Her own party won't even give it to her. The chief judge in the appellate division, she didn't just pick some some nobody just because of, of his or her name or identity, but somebody who's tremendously qualified, and he's not liberal enough. And what did they do? They packed the Democratic committee, right, because they control the majority overwhelmingly, put three new Democrats, all leftists on, to vote against him so that it, it can't even go to the floor of the Senate for a vote. That's a disgrace. And yep. let me tell you something. Unless she stands up and fights, the left wing is going to be running this state into the ground. Yeah, Ed, Ed, Cox, here, up. Ed yeah. Cox here, Senator. Uh, yeah. Hochul's got to go in the court, right? Oh, yes. She's got to go to court, get a ruling that this thing should uh, go uh, to the floor. From, yeah. from the Senate, yep. from the entire Senate. There'll be enough Republicans and moderate Democrats. And by the way, that's her only chance. If they stop this, let me tell you, they're going to hand You're 100 percent right. Yep. New York's going to be big oh. trouble. But let's move from New York to a national crisis, if you will, or at least a national story. Uh, Mr. Yep. D'Amato, can you explain to me when there were documents in Mar-a-Lago why the FBI and SWAT teams and raided the house, knocked down the doors, checked Melania's underwear drawer, put people up against the yeah. wall. And Joe Biden pretty much has the same deal. And it's a whole home story by Dana Tyler at 1030 at night. Could you explain that difference to me? Yeah. The, uh, ultra-left media, good politics for them to go after Trump, to create a whole thing, to take pictures of the documents that are stamped. You know, the documents weren't kept that way. They threw them on the floor. They make you think they were kept that way. I mean, you talk about uh, an honest and fair uh, media and press. Uh, that's disingenuous. It is terrible. And so here you have a situation where these papers, are, uh, and I don't know how secret they are, what standards they meet or don't meet, but obviously um, there are questions. What's in those papers? Are, they, are the papers containing uh, um, uh, conversations or 
or uh, material with respect to Hunter Biden dealing with foreign governments or, or, or with with his dad? I mean, so. How do we not even know they're missing? That's the other thing well, I wanted to know. How, how did the archivist not even know they were missing? After six years that they were in the Biden's yeah. possession. Why all of a sudden what? did they go in, Senator, yeah. and send in private attorneys, not FBI, yeah. not Justice Department, private attorneys to go through this, who did not have security clearances to go through this, and why did they then report back to the White House and not to the Justice Department? That's the question. Well, look, there's a dual standard, and you see it as you indicated what took place at Mar-a-Lago. And, and how this situation in the vice president's residence or his vacation home and how these papers were stored there and, and in a garage, et cetera, totally inappropriately. Um, and, and, and so there, there is a dual standard. Let, let me suggest something. That in order for this nation to run properly, this business about trying to get Trump and trying to get Biden and this kind of thing should be stopped. And both sides should come together, dismiss this thing against Trump, stop the nonsense, and stop this business with Biden. You're and, right. And, You're and right. Put this, put yep. this aside. Yes, that this would go— only hurting— our country. It would go a long way. In, in, you're right. It would go a long way in healing the country. And by the way, thank you for hopping on, Senator Aldamato. Neither one of these guys, Biden or Trump, are going to take any real trouble for this anyway. So it's a waste of money and time. We're and just wa- wasting our breath. Exactly right. Right. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Dr. Peter Michelos, I must tell you, that uh, I was watching uh, out of the corner of my eye, hosting my own show this morning, CNN, and I mentioned you twice because they did a report at about 7 o'clock this morning which said, you ready for this? They said that intermittent fasting is not the way to go, that reducing calories is much more effective than intermittent fasting. Dr. Michelos, I gather you disagree. Well, the intermittent fasting study that they refer to is the people who only eat once a day. But what we're talking about is eating. If you look at the details, they're just eating once a day, and they're telling people to have one meal, and those people don't do as well. That's too much. What you need is eight hours of eating and 16 hours. It's just enough. It's finding the balance. So when you look at the fine print, but, you know, CNN sometimes is – uh, you know, they're not about details sometimes. <laughs> I, I tend to right. fast in between meals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I now, let's, do it. Now, let's talk about some happy news in, in honor of Sid Rosenberg from Brooklyn, where I was born. I'll tell you some happy news about New York City and Brooklyn. Cool. Brooklyn is where the MRI was invented by Dr. Demadian. Small incision right? cataract surgery was invented by Dr. Kelman from Brooklyn. The first commercial pacemaker was in Brooklyn, 1961, at Maimonides. The first portable dialysis machine was in Brooklyn at Downstate by Eli Friedman. The first human uh, heart valve was installed by the first woman heart surgeon in the United States, Nina Starr Braunworld, in 1960. And she actually made it and installed it. 
So Sid Rosenberg takes credit for all those discoveries. Because I, I, I have no, these. Some no, of the great people I know. that come out of Brooklyn, including Sid. So well, I, I, I said that in Thank you. Sid, thank you. Because I have these arguments all the time. My, my former co-host, God rest his soul, we lost Bernie this year, but he was from the Bronx. And he would try to sell the Bronx over Brooklyn. I go, are you nuts? Yeah. The greatest people ever, like you just set up from Brooklyn. Yeah, now I understand uh, who causes me to get claustrophobic in the MRI machine. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Michelos. No, well, that's because you don't go to the open MRI, which actually the inventor, Dr. Demadian, built open MRI. So you just have to find an open MRI. And they work <laughs> And they have large bore MRIs too, and he's still alive. And the first angioplasty in somebody during a heart attack was in 1983 in Brooklyn. And the first guy to synthesize DNA and got the Nobel Prize in 1959 is Arthur Kornberg, who's Vicky Schnepp's uncle, and he got the Nobel Prize. He was from Brooklyn too. Were you just on Jeopardy or something? No, I want to share all the happy news about uh, the great. We need happy news once in a while. This is great. Now I'll get to I'll get to the bad news. Two minutes. Wasn't there Mayor De Blasio who was from Brooklyn? No, don't bring that up. He's from Boston. He's from Boston. Yeah, Red Sox fan, right. Well, there's a cholera outbreak in Haiti, and we need to help Haiti get through this by now because otherwise it ends up on our shores, just like we had an outbreak back in 1832 and 1866 in New York from sailors and migrants. So a lot of times sailors and migrants... We'll send three guys from Brooklyn over. (laughs) No, uh, Actually, yeah, there were some Brooklyn guys who uh, were were down there, and they do help out. A lot of people who go on missionary trips happen to be a lot of Brooklyn people. But there is a vaccine, an oral vaccine called Vaxchlora, and hopefully we can send some over to Haiti and help those people out because they're having a lot of problems because back in 2000. Well, maybe somebody we, we're here. Is. We, we need yeah. to send that vaccine over to Haiti and take care of those people. And yeah. Haiti needs peace and tranquility. And I was told by a previous president the only people that can do that is probably the country of France. Really? Yes. Is that what he said? Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, Doctor Peter, you're a, you're a joy. That was awesome today. And if thank you, Peter. Thank Randy. you. Hello, He's Dr. from Brooklyn Peter. too, by the way, Peter. <laughs> it's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.